Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode three of the Traction House Investment Marketing Podcast. Today, I'm here with uh, my co-founder, Simon Yalbert. Hey. And uh, we just wanted to talk a little bit in high level uh, about what it means to raise AUM or, or start the process of raising your book and building your business through digital channels online. So we're going to spend some time just talking through the process that Simon and I go through with our clients to help them uh, raise their AUM. And I guess really it starts with this. It's quite simple. If you want to raise your assets under management and you want to close allocations from new business, um, there's a couple ways you can do it. There's a traditional method. So there's wining and dining, there's conferences, there's referrals, um, there's offline channels is what we call them. And then there's online channels. There's ways to get unaffiliated business and generate rapport with an audience that uh, isn't being referred to you. It's not someone that you met in person and handed a business card to. It's um, someone that's read a blog post or seen uh, a blog or an article written on you or your firm. And Simon and I spend a lot of time in the latter, in that space. And so what we'd like to do is just spend a couple of minutes with you and kind of walk you through and demystify what the process looks like for Simon and I to take a new client who wants to raise their AUM and actually end up with real conversations. Um, and so the end game for us typically is more offline conversations. That's, that's the game. It's to take online prospects that discover you online, they get to know you online, they get to like you online, and they get to trust you online and bringing them offline into a context that you're more familiar with probably, which is uh, you know a dinner or a coffee or a trip on the golf course, etc. So Simon, I guess for you, my first question is, when you think about the concepts of becoming known, liked, and trusted online, what does that mean to you? Like, What are the, some of the things that we do to help that happen? Um, yeah, I mean, like the, f the first thing I wanna mention is just, I think people have always, have always bought the same way yeah. since the dawn of time and it's exactly what you just said it's just getting people to to know like and trust you and I think that the real advantage of digital marketing is the fact that you can do it at scale right it used to be that if you're a car salesman or, or anything like that the process that process would start whenever someone walked on the lot and then you had a couple minutes to get to get them to know you like you and trust you and when they left the lot that process was was kind of over un, un, until you gave them a phone call or anything like that but with digital, what, what what you can actually do with that is get a large amount of people uh, to know, like, and trust you at scale. And that's something that you can do pretty much every day by, by dominating their attention. Uh, and that attention is usually spent online these days. Uh, and that's why it's so powerful. So, like, one of the things that you can do to answer your question is just, uh, and it's easier said than done, but it, it's really studying the game of, of content creation mm. and and becoming very good at that and uh, and just posting that content on the different social outlets that, that you have uh, available to you so it'll, it'll be be a mix of LinkedIn Facebook Twitter etc uh, and over time what starts to happen is as you start to produce or as you consistently share uh, value valuable content the people that that follow you are going to get to see that one you're a thought leader you're producing that kind of stuff yeah 
uh, and two, it just keeps you top of mind for all these people. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I mean, I, I know that for myself, when I'm doing research online, I gravitate towards people that, you know, if I'm looking, if I've discovered them online somewhere and I'm looking to qualify them as someone that's credible that I want to pay attention to, oftentimes I'll take a look at what they're outputting. I mean, is there, are they, have they been invested for a long time in their space? And are they taking the time on a regular basis to, to output good quality content? And are they truly, is it evident to me and is it obvious to me that they're truly invested in um, my betterment, my own flourishment as their customer um, mm-hmm. before I ever meet them? And yeah. like, it also sends the message like, hey, if they have time to actually produce content and share it online, and if they're not just putting up fires all the time, it must mean that they have a pretty good thing going for them. Yeah. Uh, and that alone, whether whether you recognize that consciously or subconsciously, I think it makes a huge difference. Yeah, it's for sure. So I think one of the things I wanted to to share with you guys today on this podcast was I want to walk you through topically the flow of what it looks like for a person to discover an asset manager online, get to know that asset manager, and eventually convert into an offline conversation with that asset manager. So typically, when Simon and I onboard a client, um, we really pay attention to three core pillars um, in this process. And the first pillar is story, it's brand. It's who you are as an individual, what your investment philosophy is, um, your track record, you know, it's it's all of the pedigree that get looked at when an investor is doing their due diligence and they're going through their checklist and their investment criteria to qualify you or not uh, as, as a potential um, place to, to allocate their funds and so your story digitally needs to check off those boxes you know we were looking at an article recently and we were talking about the, the article was covering uh, Millennials and the the influx of millennial uh, investment capital and just the typical investing trends and the investment um, behavior of Millennials and one of the big ones is oh, they do a tremendous amount of their research online before ever actually wanting to talk to an asset manager or financial advisor. So it's really important that asset managers today and financial advisors have enough content and enough expression and enough material, and they call it content binging, just like Netflix, right? People are in the habits of binging on content, consuming in a binge type style. So let's say I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a physician, for instance. I'm a millennial physician and I've just come out of um, my final year of school and I'm um, you know, in a tremendous amount of debt and I'm looking for a financial advisor to partner with that'll help me pay off the debt quick and you know, in a sh- relatively short time period set up um, my, my financial situation where I can actually retire at some point. You know, that job to be done, uh, a typical physician these days will probably take the time to look online and do some research um, in finding the right candidate for that partnership before ever actually reaching out. And so it's really critical that a financial advisor who specializes in um, debt debt planning or, or any of those kinds of things, getting out of debt, loan debt, et cetera, has content on their site that, for instance, a physician could consume. It's interesting, I was actually just looking at, uh, there's, a, there's a wealth manager out of Akron, Ohio, it's called Forward Thinking Wealth Management. We don't have an affiliation with them, but I really like the way that they were set up. I like their web platform. I like the presence. Um, but one of the things they do is they, they specialize in niches. So these guys only help doctors and retirees. And so it really helps to be 
focusing and owning a niche and having a story that cohesively paints the picture that this is a person that checks off all my investment criteria boxes. He looks good online. I like the feel of him and I'd like to talk to him offline. If your brand presence and your digital presence can do the job of compelling someone to come offline with you and grab a coffee or a dinner, um, then your brand presence and your digital presence is doing its job properly. And so Simon and I, the first pillar we look at is that. And then the second pillar is content production and distribution. Um, so Simon, you wanna talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you already touched on, I think the most important points, which is to, to listen to your customers and then to listen to your leads and just see what kind of questions they're asking. Um, as you're looking for, for topics, because really you don't want to be producing content just for the sake of producing content. You want to be answering questions. Hmm. Uh, and you can pontificate all day about what questions you think they may have. But at the end of the day, what you should really be doing is listening to your customers. What questions are they asking you? Uh, if you go on Twitter and you see some conversations around, uh, around investing, and there's some tools you can use to, to, to do some social listening on Twitter, uh, what questions are being asked, what are the answers, and then you can come up with some pretty good content ideas uh, based off of that. But when it comes to the actual creating uh, or to, to the actual creation of the content, uh, something that I know you talk about pretty often is, is just sticking to your strengths. Mm. So if you love writing, write some blog posts. I know for me, that's, that's, that's kind of what, uh, that's what I enjoy doing. Uh, but some other people are great are great on video. For them, it'd probably be a lot easier to just set up a tripod with their with their phone, just filming them, and just answering questions online, posting little five minute videos of them answering the questions that they've seen asked countless times, and 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 that would be pretty valuable. For some other people, it's doing something like this. It's it's podcasting. Uh, but at the end of the day, you just want to become you just want to build the habit of doing it, uh, because like most things, it might seem overwhelming at first to be producing all that content but once you get into the habit of doing it it becomes infinitely easier yeah that's huge that's huge so i mean so pillar one is really it's about content it's about story it's about expressing yourself properly and it's about being visible enough online where people can come find you and they can qualify you before actually meeting you uh, to an offline conversation so there's quite a bit of work um, that could go in that needs to go into making sure your story is straight so the second pillar is distribution, and this is really about, uh, it's no longer enough to have a website, post a blog article, stick it on your Facebook feed, stick it on your LinkedIn feed, and tweet about it. Um, you've gotta put budget behind your content in order for it to get seen by the right people. And it makes sense. If you think about these super large platforms like Google, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, etc these guys are most of their revenue comes from advertising and mm -hmm. it comes from sponsored content it comes from content that has budget behind it and so you know there's there's so much content to potentially show in an individual person's newsfeed on their device that if it comes down to it google and linkedin and twitter are likely to surface the content that's got dollars behind it. it's likely to surface the sponsored stuff and so instead of spending months and months and months and countless hours trying to compete for the first page of Google, uh, we're finding it's a lot more economical now. It just makes more sense to put some dollars behind promoting your content to be in front of the right people. Yeah, and look, there's a reason why you have to pay money now. Uh, and you touched on it. It's because so many people are doing content marketing. And the reason why so many people are doing content marketing is because... It works. It works. Yeah. It works. If it didn't work, it never would have gotten to this size. But uh, since it works so well, yeah, I mean, the, just the world is inundated in uh in content yeah 
And the the other great part about just paying for content is the fact that you actually then have access to their to their ad manager ads manager tools, uh, and what that allows you to do on all these platforms: Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Google. Um, it allows you to select what audience you want that content to be shown to. Mm. So if you're an asset manager and you want that content to go in front of high net worth individuals, uh, I mean, there, there, there's there's two ways that we really like to do that. The first is called LinkedIn um, title targeting. And I mean, I won't, I won't go into the details too much, but essentially what you can do is you can make sure that your content is seen by people of a certain title who live in a certain city, a uh, certain level of seniority. So you can't, you can't be sure that they have investable wealth uh, at their disposal, but you can kind of deduce the fact that they might. Yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn is a phenomenal tool. And then the second one is geotargeting. And uh, it's essentially geotargeting is a term we use in the marketing world, but it basically means distilling an audience based on geographic location. Um, and an example we can use where Simon and I are based in Toronto, Canada. Um, I dug into some tax data not too long ago and came up with the top 25 postal codes in Ontario that have at least $80,000 of income or more in homeowner income and at least 50% of the filings within the postal code were uh, showed investment income. And what this picture infers is these 25 postal codes are A, affluent and B, uh, investment minded and they're demonstrating that in their tax data. And so you can actually plug in those 25 postal codes right into Twitter, right into Facebook and Instagram and right into the Google Display Network and pay dollars to have your content, your commentary, your blog articles promoted and put on the homeowner devices within those 25 postal codes exclusively. So if you've got a set budget uh, every month of say 500 bucks or $800 for a marketing budget, you can go onto those channels, put those dollars in and uh, only be in front of and work towards influencing um, the folks that are most likely to be your clients. Um, so you can almost do like a pre-qualification uh, setup. Mm -hmm. And when we say get in front of, really all we mean is is your content just gets displayed through the different platforms you're using in front of those people. So uh, it, it, it differs a little bit on each platform, but uh, with, with LinkedIn and Facebook, for example, if you put money behind an article, um, what would happen is as someone who you've specified you wanna be in front of goes through their day and then goes on LinkedIn and scrolls through their feed, uh, your content would be shown there. Uh, with Google, it's a bit different. There's no feed. What they have is the Google Display Network. Uh, and that pretty much is, is their bucket of, of websites that they can advertise on. And I think there's over 2 million at this point. So yeah. uh, think of Bloomberg, think of New York Times, think of pretty much any website. Uh, it's pretty much the Google Display Network that uh, that puts ads on those websites. And I'm, I'm sure you've seen uh, different display ads for for different things here and there. That's how that works. Yeah, we actually have a, a real life case example of all of this stuff um, wor working in the in the manner it's supposed to. And it's um, we actually in the fall started posting pretty heavily on LinkedIn uh, content about marketing in the investment space specifically. So what does it look like for ETF issuers, hedge funds, financial advisors to market themselves digitally? And we started to promote a lot of content. And one of the audiences we were targeting were family offices. And uh, we actually got an inbound lead from a family office in Europe. And uh, that individual became a client. And now we've been running a campaign with him for two weeks, or sorry, two months. Um, what was he? I think he went two or three months um, without any leads. Yeah. And then within the last three days, three days, we've gotten him how many? Three. Three conversations. Yeah. 
so the beautiful thing about digital in the context that we're talking about here is when you put dollars into the system um, you can actually track all that back and you can start to see uh, results relatively quickly you get a lot of feedback and that allows you to do a lot of experimentation and optimizing and kind of learning as you go but you can learn for pretty cheap you don't have to spend a lot of money to learn you don't have to buy big billboards and realize it was a failure um, you can do it incrementally and optimize your way to a very efficient flow yeah that's a good point like if you put if you put a billboard somewhere or an ad in a newspaper or something like that you can kind of deduce how many people have seen it just based on foot traffic or, or a publications readership uh, but at the end of the day you don't really know for certain who saw it you don't really know how many people saw it. you don't really know if it's um, you don't even really know if it was helpful or not because maybe you're running different marketing campaigns and maybe there was a boost in, in, in the amount of leads that you got in any given week but you can't really attribute it to anything yeah. uh, specifically but with digital I mean you can you can do that pretty easily just the just the normal engagement data that you can see on platforms like LinkedIn for example like the the, the likes the comments the shares you get a pretty good idea of, uh, of how well that article was received and, and LinkedIn also gives you a ton of other data about the profile of the person who read it and it's not something you can really fake um, so all that stuff is, is, is so much better than, than traditional marketing. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings us to our third point. So, so far we've talked about your story. So do you have a strong brand? Do you have good brand equity? Are you expressing yourself well? Do you have a story and a brand platform and a website that a prospect can come and see you, get to know you, and check off all of his investor criteria boxes to determine if you're someone that they would want to chat with offline? And if you've got that place to land, if you've got a hub to be consumed from, the next step is distribution. So if you're actively putting dollars into distributing your expression through social channels and being in front of very specific groups of people that are likely to be investment minded. Um, the third step is really analytics and sales intelligence. And this is just taking a posture of listening and watching what happens and understanding and making sense of, actionable sense of the consumption that's happening and the activity that's happening in the first two, first two peers. And so, what does that kind of look like for us? What does sales intelligence look like? Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of different ways to think about it, and I think there's different levels uh, to data. So uh, initially, just the engagement data that I was just talking about, you can use that to determine whether you're on the right path with your content or not. So mm -hmm. if it's if it's getting a lot of con if it's getting a lot of likes, a lot of views, a lot of comments, etc., you know that the content that you've decided to create is worthwhile creating uh, because people are reading it. Mm. Another level to this, which is where we primarily play these days, uh, it's a bit more technical than just using the data that 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 these different platforms can give you. Uh, but we use a set of tools that allow us to um, essentially see what people do after they click on your content and land on your website. Hmm. And and based on that data, we can tell we can tell where the people go after they've um, after they've landed on your website yeah. after the blog post. Uh, maybe sometimes to identify themselves and at that point we know them by name we can tell you how many times they came back uh, as I said like how many page what pages they saw on your website and at the end of the day what that allows you to do is really just prioritize your outreach to these specific people yeah so if you know that someone spent five minutes uh, which is a lot if you think about web time on your website in the past couple of days came back on your website three or four times if you're thinking of who you should call next it should probably be that person, and and just the fact that you know where they where they were on your website allows you then to, to kind of just strategize what you're going to talk about when you first uh, dial that number. 
Yeah, and the thing Simon's referring to, guys, is called lead scoring. And so we've got a lead scoring algorithm in-house. We built a little campaign hub that presents a leaderboard of every visitor that comes to the site. And then initially, visitors are anonymous. They're anonymous IDs. And once they click on the cookie policy OK um, and sign up for something, and this is the key thing, is your website's got to have a goal of converting leads. That's what we're, when we look at websites, we always look at it from the concept of, is this converting leads? And what are we doing to create more identities? Do we, do we move people from an anonymous visitor to a known identity that we can track on a named level um, perpetually? And what that allows you to do is over time, you can start to score the known identities. And so if you're an asset manager or a financial advisor and you've got two or 300 known identities on your website, you can actually see who's most engaged with your most recent blog post. And you can see folks and, uh, that, are, that are paying attention to you, that are brand aware, and you can reach out to them with a, another offer or you can offer to take them for coffee or a dinner. Um, it's just a really, really powerful way to listen and pay attention to and turn a lot of, there's a tremendous amount of data and tracking stuff that you can, mm-hmm. you can pay attention to, but being able to distill it into actionable insights that you can actually make use of to optimize your offline conversations is, is critical. And that's really where we end off. That's, that's our handoff is an offline conversation. Yeah, so if, you, if your game is really just to stand apart from the other people that you're, that you're competing against, and, you know, with the rise of robo advisors and then new people always entering the the space that becomes even more important. Um, having these tools at your disposal is a it's a big deal. Yeah, it's huge. It's a, it's a really really big deal. And in the spirit of wanting to be known, liked, and trusted by the right people, uh, those are all things that 20 years ago people would have salivated at the thought of having. Uh, and now we have it. And for for I think for one reason or another. It hasn't been that widely adopted in, in financial services and in investment management, uh, but that's something that we're actively trying to change because we know how we know how impactful it could be. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, I think that's it. We don't want to take too much more of your time, but uh, thank you so much for listening, and we hope that some of the stuff today has been insightful for you. Um, if you do have any questions or you want to chat offline, pun intended, on anything that Simon and I have chatted about today, um, we'd be more than happy to, but we are we wake up every day and we're completely invested in the game of helping um, financial advisors, ETFs, asset managers, hedge fund, private equity groups um, get on the investor radar and become known, liked, and trusted at scale. You've been listening to the Traction House Investment Marketing Podcast, designed to help investment advisors and marketing practitioners leverage content marketing to rise above the noise in today's crowded, fragmented attention economy, capture investor mindshare, and ultimately grow their AUM. We hope you found today's conversation insightful. Stay tuned for more.